When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and today I am joined by my good pal, King the Conqueror himself, Mac Wilcox. These different versions of me, you know, they pop up in all these different situations, so it's always a guess which uh, which version of myself you're going to get day to day, and that's the fun of it, you know what I mean? There you go. There you go. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And as well as our very own kingpin himself, Evan Lang. What are you trying to say? You trying to say I'm fat? <laughs> no, calling you the kingpin of crime. That's right. I and was going to, after you did the the Kang reference, I was going to swing that in the complete opposite direction uh, with, uh, don't blame me, I voted for Kodos. <laughs> The Lang Dynasty, like if you will. That's a deep cut. I like it. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Classic Simpsons. It's a fantastic episode. <laughs> to this day, we still reference the twirling, 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 <laughs> twirling towards freedom. But go. <laughs> such a such a great quote. That we must go forwards, not backwards. Backwards side. What is it? Forwards, not backwards. Backwards, not sideways. And always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Towards freedom. <laughs> uh, Bob Dolo <laughs> need this. Mm-hmm. We must work towards working together. Anywho, <laughs> we could just sit here and quote <laughs> Simpsons all day. It's a Simpsons podcast. And hey, I could get through it. Uh, Same. But we got a ton to talk about, as always. Tons of rocky stuff. But quick icebreaker I wanted to touch on. Uh, we saw the Rockies get thrashed in Game One of their uh, <laughs> their uh, series against the Dodgers, and that was not even as bad a thrashing as the Red Sox endured. Uh, what was it last week or whatever against the Blue Jays when they lost like twenty five to five, something like that, because uh, mm-hmm. Sw- Sydney Sweeney cursed them with her first pitch. But I wanted to ask this. What do you do when your team is getting thrashed? Do you have any recommendations? You know, what do you do when your team's getting thrashed? When at what point do you stop watching and move on to something else? If you're not already it's at tough, the game, like, 
I know my man Evan did the recap on that game last night, so Evan has to watch the whole thing. And that's that's pretty brutal. But in situations where I'm not necessarily on call for that, I don't know. When it gets to, like... Because I, I still watch baseball pretty much all the time, no matter what the score is. When you start getting into, like, the teens, especially when, you know, the Rockies are shut out, then it gets pretty hard. So the Rockies lost 13 to nothing. So, like, I didn't get to watch any of the game last night, which is both, you know, probably more of a blessing than it is a curse. Um, so I didn't get to watch any of the game. But for me personally, like, whenever you start getting to those, like, teens specifically, 10, 11, I can still live with that. But I think there's that magic number of 13 that really starts to make it pretty pretty hard to tune into at that point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's my number. For um For me, it's not necessarily a set amount of runs. It's more of you wait for the feeling when you're pretty sure, yeah, this is this is done. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's later, sometimes it's earlier. Um, sometimes it's like after the fourth inning, you're like, yeah, we're we're done here. This is this is not gonna end well and you just mm-hmm. you flick off the game and do something else. Uh I did not get that privilege last night where it was pretty clear that we were cooked after the fourth inning down eleven to nothing, <laughs> but um Still watched the entirety of that game. Was treated to uh, Brian Servin pitching, um, which was at least interesting and entertaining compared to the rest of the game. But, yeah. So, so sometimes, and I'm, a, I'm one of those people where it's like, I will try and watch every game to the bitter end, no matter what. And sometimes you just can't. And, you know, last yeah. night, if I wasn't writing, it would have been would have been one of those games where you have the feeling towards whatever point of the game where, yeah, this is done, this is not going to be fun or worth it for me to watch the rest of the game, so I'm going to do something else. And that's totally fine, too. Like, you don't need to, regardless of how big a fan you are, you don't need to torture yourself with grinding out a blowout. Like, there are other things to do. You can always (laughs) come back and watch the next game. Yeah, and it's like the difference, like, if if you're just chilling at home, you can just like still have it on the TV or like you can distract yourself and have it on in the background. Yeah. You don't have that luxury as much if you're there in person. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that's always that's the roughest thing is to sit through a blowout in baseball in person, yeah. no matter what level it is, big leagues, little league, you know, no matter what league it is, it's rough. Uh, well, cuz I know Skyler, you've uh You've become uh, something of a consistent play-by-play announcer for those uh, Northern Colorado Owls. I don't know if you've seen a, a fair share of uh, not-close contests recently. Those are nightmares to try and call and <laughs> do play-by-play <laughs> for. Because you, you're trying to spin it where spin it positively, and that's the mm-hmm. toughest thing, especially when you're doing it by yourself. Like You don't have anybody to talk to, so you're just rambling yep. on about the game and maybe start trying to like use your your expertise on mechanics and stuff to analyze why things are happening the way they are. That's rough stuff. Yeah, I feel like if you had a, a, a booth partner for some of those, especially because the, the owls have had a lot of double headers due to weather mm-hmm. and those double, <laughs> those double headers are often both blowouts. Yeah. I feel like it would be a little bit easier for you. And, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to hate on the Owls because they're a brand... They're basically a brand new team this year, mm-hmm. and there's going to be growing pains. Um, I think next year they're probably going to be a whole lot better because they made it through their first season. But, yeah, when, you, when you're at a game physically and you're getting blown out of the water and there's nothing you can really do except for keep yep. sitting there and watching, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily That's the most fun. Do. Nope. So... I think we're in agreement. <laughs> just figure out something else to do while you're watching it on TV <laughs> yep. and just do what you can in person. Bourbon. Try and get through it. But let's move right along here. Uh, some quick hits here. The Rockies announced they signed all their, their homies from the draft, which, hey, good stuff. Congrats to all those guys as they begin their journey into professional baseball and Excited to see what happens with them all. See how they do this year. We'll keep an eye on them, whether they're down like the Arizona League this season or 
and all that good stuff. We'll keep an eye on them. Yeah, it's great that great that the Rockies signed all 22 of their of their guys mm-hmm. um, this season. There's a lot of interesting names on there. If you want to take a look at all of the names we drafted and some of the contract information for their signing bonuses, you can go to purplerow.com where we have an yep. up-to-date draft and signings tracker. And also our friends, uh, Justin and Kenneth, they just released the Pebble Report podcast episode where they kind of run down the draft and talk about all that stuff more in depth. So be sure to, to find them on purplerow.com or you know wherever you get the find this podcast. You can find it under these Purple Row podcasts as well. Um, kind of under our whole umbrella and whatnot. But congrats <laughs> to all those draftees on their beginning of their journey. And some of them making some moolah, some cheddar cheese, <laughs> some simoleons, smackaroons, <laughs> other, <laughs> other synonyms and stuff. Bison dollars. There you go. There you go chunk of change getting the bag see who gets that reference (laughs) not many over my head scratchy fun bucks Mm. i got you now (laughs) (laughs) remember we're in the itchy lot okay moving right along i'll just keep throwing out these references today (laughs) but don't order the baby guts it's veal that's you guys are a mess. <laughs> it's already How off dare the you. you guys are a mess. But let's keep moving along. So no, someone who's not a mess this month. At least he is. The catcher. Nice. He's the month of July has been good to him. He's slowly kind of been progressing back to what we were expecting from him. Uh he's kind of had an up and down season. Had a good first month of April, kind of eh, middle of the line, pretty decent, but then he kind of slowly dropped off these past 2 months. But here back in July, he's really solidified that glove and that bat again. And no, what what's been the I guess the best thing about Diaz this month that you've noticed that's really helped him out getting back? I think Diaz is somebody that is a bit of a streaky hitter. We saw something like this last season, where he could kind of go through these positive patches and these rough patches um, at, at various points in the season. But it was in the summer last year as well that he really started to pick up. Really started to see uh, some more results um, in his uh, in his plate approach, and I think that that's really working for him right now. He's obviously, you know, grinding through it. We signed him to a two-year deal this past uh, offseason, so he's going to be here for a minute, more than likely. Um, and I think that it's just going to kind of good to see him working through these things. Uh, we've had a lot of players in the past that have also been pretty streaky hitters that go on to have fine careers. You know, Carlos Gonzalez is kind of a streaky hitter for a lot of his career. I'm not comparing the two right now. But I am saying that, you know, that's that's part of baseball is you go through these rough patches and, you know, Joey Votto said, you know, it's like a labyrinth that you're trying to find your way out of. And I think Diaz has found his way out of it for right now. He's obviously pretty locked in. Uh, one of the RBI leaders through the month of July, which I'm sure we'll talk about here a little bit later on, too. We can talk about our players of the month. But, you know, I just think he's a guy that's been around the league for a little while now. He kind of knows the the process and what it takes to get yourself out of these funks. And I think he's taking all the right steps right now. The big thing for me for Diaz is his ability to get on base. Uh, in the month of July, he's got an on-base percentage of 393. And he's gotten his on-base percentage all the way up from the low 200s, 250s, to 301, which is, you know, not great, but considering how the rest of his season has gone. It's a huge step in the right direction. We're also seeing his slugging percentage and batting average slowly creep upward. But month of July, slash 302, 393, uh, He's drawn six walks compared to ten strikeouts, which is big because the the strikeouts were a thing last year where he just, when he was hot, he really didn't strike out. He had one of the lowest strikeout percentages in the league. But he's been... Um, for the for the rest of the season, striking out at a pretty decent clip. And now that he's sort of tooling that back, he's drawing more walks, he's making more contact. Uh, I think that's really big for him. And the question is going to be now, so it's July 29th today when we're recording, is as we roll into August, can he keep that going? And then if he does keep that going, the really big question is going to be, can we avoid this slow start, big slump 
next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were hoping to this year because he had the he had the slow start in the big slump last year. He started decently this year and then slumped hugely through May and June. And uh, you know, with Diaz, you know, for both him and his confidence and for the fans watching is that you don't want to see that happen again. You want him to be able to consistently be able to turn it on like he's been doing here in July. Mm-hmm. Something I found that was interesting looking at just his month-to-month stats is that kind of you look at everything outside of like batting average and like slugging. Take out May and those three months are kind of similar in production. But then in May, he was just awful. And you know, it was a slight uptick in strikeouts. Same amount of walks as he has in the month of July but he had less RBIs, still had 10 hits. And so it seems like a big part of it, too, was he just had terrible luck in the month of May. Where, yeah, he was putting the ball in play, but when he did, it wasn't doing anything. No, maybe it was just a little ground out. Maybe it was a pop-up no, type of stuff. So it's kind of this weird ebb and flow for him where he's kind of been looking at his numbers. You could see, oh, he's basically been the same all season. No, aside from that downtick in May, but otherwise he's kind of been consistently below average, I guess, but not doing anything too great, not doing anything too terrible. But I think it, it you have to go deeper than just, no, this is one of those instances where it has to be deeper than just, no, base stats. And looking at that, I'm like, man, he is probably bad pitch selection, bad swings, all kinds of stuff that's kind of resulting yep. in this, oh, he can't hit the ball. He's doing terrible. What a terrible contract. But here in the month of July, just like last year, something's clicked where now he's having more success, more, you don't know. It's hard to measure how much luck you have in baseball, which everybody has a ton. There's a ton of luck involved in baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this month of July, I think he's found a bit of that, that stroke of luck where it's resulting in more hits, getting on base more. Know, being more selective, and then that leaks over when he's doing good on offense. He's also doing really good on defense, which I think is something that we first and foremost rely on with Diaz is his work with the pitchers and how well he is behind the dish, especially when he's tossing out guys on the base paths. Yep. No, that's a great point, and the offense backs up the defense too, right? We talk about, you know, the more confident you are at the plate, the more confident you're going to be behind it too. And we've seen that come through recently as well. I got a huge laugh out of the, uh, when they backpicked on the ball four against the White Sox. Yeah. And tossed yeah. out Garcia at third. Oh, I was laughing so hard. It's pretty fire, right? <laughs> it's such a good move. Oh, he <laughs> must have felt like an idiot. Yeah, it's not... Not a spot you want to get caught in, especially as a major leaguer. It's a pretty lonely feeling. Yeah, I got thrown yeah, out. I'm definitely hoping that Diaz's uh, glove continues to improve. I think a big part of why he was struggling so much defensively earlier in the season was because he was pressing so hard and you get frustrated. Mm. When you press, mm. every part of your game suffers. It's not just your at-bats. It's not just your defense. It's everything. And That's a great point. He's been playing some pretty clean defensive baseball here in July outside of uh, that one error last night, which was also just pretty bad luck, too, where the throw wasn't necessarily that far off, but the fact that it ended up hitting the the runner. And then to have that same error happen again from Connor yeah. Joe, where the throw hit the runner, uh, the very next inning was just like, what is going on? on here versus a oh Diaz come on man kind of thing yeah where it's like I wasn't terribly mad at Elias Diaz for that because you know that kind of thing happens and then when when the throwing error that hits the batter happened the next inning I was like what is happening why is it happening <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. funky times with the Rockies but yeah I, I think kind of this last thing we talk about with Diaz you know is I think when Diaz is on both offensively when he's relaxed and on top of his game, like we're seeing in July, for the most part, that really helps out the pitching staff too. And we've seen that, I think, more so this month with one of the more improved pitchers is Herman Marquez, who has actually had a fairly solid month of July. 
now and has progressively slowly been trying to return back to his his all-star form that we saw last year in that first half. He's slowly coming back to it, and I think we saw a good return to form here in the month of July for the ace, Herman Marquez, the Kaiser, if you will. Hmm. Yeah, I think... Well, here, actually, Evan, I know you got something to say about this one. Go ahead. This is all yours. Marquez has... He's still had some of the issues that we've seen with him throughout this whole season. He's given up a decent amount of walks still, and he's struggling with some of his command, especially with his fastball. But he is getting such a good handle on his breaking pitches, and it really does look like he's been... I haven't had a chance to dive into the numbers of you know, what pitches he's throwing and when. But it really has been looking to me like he's been getting more quality use out of his breaking pitches. Uh, specifically that knuckle curve. He had to start earlier here in this month where his fastball was not super sharp. Um, I think this was his first start in July on like the 5th or something like that. But he was getting players to bite on that knuckle curve low. And it's fantastic. And now you look at where he's at. Uh, four starts into July, he's got three straight quality starts. Uh, his first start of the month was still pretty okay. Uh, four earned runs over six innings. And he's also, he's making it deep into games again, where he had a couple in June and uh, April, May, and June where he wasn't making it past the sixth inning. And now he's regularly making it to the making it through the sixth, where mm-hmm. four starts in July, six innings, seven innings, 6.26. And his last start against the White Sox was fabulous. It was it was vintage Ermont. It was exactly what you wanted to see, where he went six innings. He did give up seven hits because, you know, Rockies hitters, unfortunately, Rockies bat, uh, pitchers, unfortunately, are, do give up a decent amount of contact to, to hitters, but only one walk, no home runs, which is something that he has struggled with a lot this season is the long ball yes. and six strikeouts. And if he can keep pushing on this – and get back to to the form that we know he can be. And I think this has also been big for his his confidence as well because when you're when you're struggling it hurts. And we talked about this with Diaz as well. And then if you continue to struggle it just all compounds things. But if he can feel more confident, more easy breezy on the mound, especially with how he's done here in July, that's exactly what what he needs, what the Rockies need and, and you know I love Armand. I think he's. I think he really is a fantastic pitcher, and that you know this year is the is the aberration uh, of his career. And if he can, just, you know, get a turnaround, there's very little in terms of expectations for this team for for the rest of this year, especially with where we're at right now. His focus should be just continuing to build on where he's been at in the month of July. I think it's set a really good precedent for where he should be at for the remainder of this season and then just be ready to rock and roll for 2023 yeah yeah i know this is a going by earned run average i know is real surface level but i'm a surface level guy so you know even just look at it month to month starts off the season all of april he pitches four starts to a 5.57 earned run average then in may he really bottoms out five more starts to a 6.83 earned run average not great a little bit better in June, uh, you know, an improvement to a certain degree, 5.29 over six starts. Still not exactly what you want out of him. But so far as we record here, and he's going to take the mound against the Dodgers tonight, so we'll see what happens then, uh, tonight being Friday. But so far through four starts in July up to the 29th is a 3.16 earned run average. That's who we want. That's the that's the pitcher that the Rockies signed to an extension. That's the pitcher that the Rockies fans have gotten used to as the ace of this rotation. So, you know, I'm not necessarily sure exactly what, um, you know, adjustments he made or what changes were made to get him to the point that he's at now, but it's clearly working. As Evan said, we're seeing it in the length of his starts recently. The the hard contact that he is allowing is much, much less than what he did at the past. So I think he's really locked in in a really good place right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like looking at like his whip. So his walks and hits per nine innings pitched. 1.091 1.091 this month in July. Uh, whereas he's given up way less hits. He's walking way less batters this month. Only six walks through four starts. 
He had 17 walks through six starts last month in June. And so he's, we're seeing him get that command back, get control of his pitches again. And I think Evan hit on it. He's going back to things that he already knew. You know, his knuckle curve, using that more. Using those pitches that he has command of that make him almost unhittable instead of messing with the fastball as much as the Rockies tried to do to him this season. Telling him, oh, throw this fastball, four-seamer and two-seamer way more. Instead Mm -hmm. of letting him keep doing what he's been doing because that knuckle curve is filthy you know, he, when he he's unhittable when that knuckle curve is working in his arsenal and he can go back to it at any time to get a swing and a miss to get out of an inning or getting out when he needs it mm-hmm. so it's nice to see all the all these things kind of come back together where he's getting back to that form that we know he can be you know and be the dominant ace that we know he is or that he has the potential to be. Because um, it turns out when the team starts messing with guys, uh, no, ah. sequencing and <laughs> mechanics, that it doesn't turn out very well a lot of the time. How about that, huh? Isn't that a weird concept? Like It's good when you can take a guy that's really struggling and change mechanics and make him better. You know, we saw that a bit with Chad Cool at the beginning of the season. But then when you take a guy that's already doing good and changes mechanics and stuff, and he goes bad, should you really have changed anything? Exactly. That's the question. <laughs> That's the old riddle for the noggin. There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just good to see him come back to form. Here in the, I guess in the later part of the season. And I like what you guys mentioned too. Now at this point in the season, there's not that much, as much pressure to like, I gotta go out and win every game. Which, it's unfortunate that it's that way. But it's at that point where guys can go out now and just kind of you know, treat it as just ways to get better and better development. Oh, oh I'm going to go into this game and work on this pitch, work on this thing. I'm going to work on these type of things. Yeah, and look, the Rockies open play today on Friday 10 games under 500. Like, they're not fighting for a playoff spot at this point in the season. And so I think, like you said, like... Just let the guys go out there and pitch, man. Let them do what they know how to do. Let them go out there and throw the ball in the way that makes them comfortable and, you know, start getting some good results back. Evan said it. Like, let's just try and get guys ready for next season when the Rockies might be able to do something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When when they are more stocked up, when they're healthy, when they are kind of used to this new identity, when they get some, some names that we're, you know, very excited about up on the big league squad. I think uh, I think that'll be a really really positive experience for all those guys, and if they can just kind of finish up this year strong, let that momentum carry them into 2023, I think they'll be all set. Yeah, I, I think that's a big thing. Is like just at this point, focus on finishing the game strong, and yeah. like, yeah, that fits into the mold of let's win as many games as possible, which that's good. Every team should have that goal. You know, the goal is to win, but at this point, since they're likely that. They have a far outside chance, super outside chance of making that third wild card spot. Just focus on finishing the season strong. Oh, get yep. some excitement at that point. Let other guys get some action. But especially for that pitching rotation, just finish the season strong. Put together consecutive good starts. Go out there and lock things down. Bullpen relievers. Go out there and throw lockdown innings. Mm-hmm. And get that things rolling because when it's kind of like, oh, we have this awesome win against the White Sox, and then we get blown out the next day by the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's those kind of things that are really rough. And so, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it's okay to be like hopeful that, oh, maybe the Rockies have an outside chance of making that wild card. And even if you believe that, you know what still is helpful towards that goal? Is just guys making sure they're playing the best ball that they can mm-hmm. to yep. move forward. And yep. if you believe that you're not going to make the playoffs, and, and I don't think the Rockies will. We're 22 games back in the division, and I think with our with our tough schedule, it's just not going to happen. Still, the best thing to do is to go out there and, and play your play to the best of your abilities. And like even if you were losing games you are still going out there and putting putting on the best performance that you possibly can 
there's there's no downside to that. And people will be like, mm-hmm. oh, draft picks and oh, this, oh, that. The best thing that any player can possibly do in in a losing season, in a winning season, is go out there and put their best possible product on the field. And if they haven't been doing that, trying to find how to put their best possible product on the field. We've seen now uh, Kyle Freeland after he had that really, really tough start where he it was kind of a breaking point for him where he got upset and he smashed a light in the dugout with a bat and came out the next time and looked like a completely different pitcher. Mm-hmm. And you can find that point where it's like, all right, now it's time to turn it around and just keep not pressing but, you know, pushing yourself and, and working towards that goal of I'm going to put my best possible self on the field for the rest of this season, regardless of what happens, and then come back to it next season and be prepared to put the my best possible self on the field again. Mm-hmm. You look mm-hmm. at the 2007 run and why that was able to happen is because those guys literally came out and played the best baseball possible every yep. night for a month. Which is super tough to do, but you know, it's that team was still pretty good that whole season, and they just put on, got hot at the right time at the end of the season to play the best baseball. But they were still fairly, you know, closer in that race than we are now. But they played that best possible baseball, and so when you're putting out the best possible product every night, you're giving it your all every night. Now, even if you're losing, you no know, five to three. That's still indicating like you went out there and you were competing and the other team just was able to put together more runs. But when you're going out and getting blown out, those are the tough ones. You're like, this, what are they doing? Yes. Um, when your catcher's tossing your own, <laughs> tossing a scoreless inning and <laughs> you only had one guy that really showed up to play at the plate, that's not going to do it. And so you got to, it's like you said, Evan, put together your best possible product put give it your all every single night and build up your own value none of this great value stuff we want the name brand dang it (laughs) (laughs) name brand pop tarts are way better than great value pop tarts facts facts i don't think i've ever had a great value pop tart it's not that great Despite the value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not worth it. Avoid. But it, that's the thing, is just I think we're all on that. Is just go out there and play hard and put up your best possible performance. And 100%. don't get blown out. That's all we ask is don't get blown out. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because that's a, a nightmare to watch. But we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here. Still planning to talk about uh Kind of just a discussion about the trade deadline and whatnot, maybe some predictions. As also, we'll talk about our quick players of the month for the month of July. Ooh. Fun stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. We're still chugging along here. Uh, the trade deadline is upon us. It'll be, well... You'll hear this on August 1st, so it'll be on August 2nd is when the deadline is. And once again, as it seems to be like every year, Rockies are kind of out of contention, and it doesn't seem like they have any intentions to really be big, uh, I guess, participants in the trade deadline. Uh, We kind of saw the debacle last year when Trevor Story and John Gray weren't traded. But then this season, they still have some pieces, but it's still unclear what they're no kind of plan or approach will be as we begin to hear a lot of rumors from a ton of different other teams saying, yeah, we'll probably be sellers. Uh, all this other stuff. We've already seen the Royals start to do stuff with sending Andrew Benintendi over to the Yankees. So we're starting to see trades trickle in tons of rumors about, uh, but we just kind of want to have a discussion here about kind of the Rockies approach to the deadline because they have one of the, strangest approaches to the deadline than any other team and our wonderful co-writer here Joel had a really kind of in-depth article here on uh, on this Friday really good you should go check it out on Purple Row 
kind of about the Rockies' history with the deadline and kind of their how they're adverse to trading people. That kind of seems to always be the 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 trend, uh, despite the joke that people think they'll just always trade off their best players. That is not the case. <laughs> so let's just kind of open this up to this discussion about just the Rockies' kind of strange approach to the deadline and why it is they don't really trade people. <laughs> I think you want to know what I have been thinking about recently. Please. Is that for recent history, at least, like, yeah, the Rockies have this reputation of, oh, they're just going to trade away all their good players, is that the last time they actually really did that at the deadline was 2015, in which the Rockies, out of contention, parted ways with Troy Tulowitzki. Hmm. And I think that that went so badly um, for the team, both as an optic standpoint of the fans were the fans were furious, Tulo was furious. Mm-hmm. Like there was no positive spin for when that trade happened. I think the and then the return really did not work out, mm-hmm. uh, especially with we ended up with uh, the big name on that was Jose Reyes, who was very vocal about not wanting to be in Colorado and then was suspended for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. I think that gave the organization as a whole, and you know that owner Dick Monfort tends to um, have his finger in that pie, as it were, when it comes to the deadline. I think it gave the organization as a whole kind of cold feet towards making really big splash trades, either uh, going away from the team in terms of selling assets or taking in big players. Because if you look at all the trades that the Rockies have done, even in contention years like 2017 and 2018, they were not big moves. We brought in Jonathan Lucroy and Pat Neshek in 2017, and in 2018 we brought in Sungwon Oh. And those were not huge splash moves. Those were those were small, you know, try and push us over the top moves. And outside of that, most of the trades that we've engaged in... Um, with the Jeff Breidich administration have been just minor league trades, minor league swaps. Uh, and then in 2020, we had uh, the very strange trade where out of contention, the Rockies dealt for Michael Givens and gave up uh, Taron Vavra and, and Tyler yeah. Nevin. And even at the time, that trade didn't really make sense. But it's also, it also wasn't even a huge trade to begin with um, and was more, more strange than the Rockies in that they parted with two of their top 15 organizational prospects for... Uh, a reliever that you would normally use to push you over the hump with a, a contention run or a playoff run that the the Rockies were probably not going to have that year. They weren't completely out of it at the deadline in that shortened season, but they it wasn't looking great. And then they, of course, you know, finished rather poorly. And that was that was a weird move, but it was it was a very similar move in terms of like trading philosophy wise to the the trades that were made in previous seasons. It was very similar to the Sunglon O trade. Um so that's what, what I've been thinking. And then, you know, you had the incredible backlash from the Nolan Arnado trade, which was not at the deadline, but was during the off season. And I think it has the organization a little gun shy over the last, you know, six or seven years to make those those big trades. And the Rockies are never going to be huge sellers. Like, they are, they're very adamant that they don't want to rebuild, they don't want to tear it down. And that is, that is fine. I get it, as much as I maybe disagree with that and think that a rebuild at some point would have been necessary. But that doesn't mean that when you have assets to sell, you shouldn't sell them. And the, and the Rockies have a decent chunk of assets this year that are sellable assets. And so I'm curious to see what they do. I unfortunately I'm not super hopeful that they're going to make the make the right moves here, but you know, we can't really make any judgments on that until August 2nd when the trade deadline is actually passed. So, you know, next week when we reconvene to record, then we can make our judgments on what/how the Rockies mm-hmm. did on the deadline. Mm-hmm. What were you going to chime in with, Mac? No, honestly, I think Evan killed that. I, I do think it's it's basically just going to parrot what he said. I think it's really good that you point out that the Rockies aren't big on trading away their stars because you're right. Like that's always been sort of the the 
I guess, albatross on the neck of the Rockies organization, which is that they trade away their big stars. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because, like, they really don't, do they? Like, they really don't have that much of a history, especially at the deadline. As far as, you know, as it pertains to this, to this season, I don't think the Rockies are going to do very much. And, and that's, you know, just something that I've made my peace with. And I, you know, I know there's rumors that, like, they've gotten calls on Daniel Bard. But what's so tough is that, unfortunately, a lot of the potential trade pieces that we were talking about two, three weeks ago have kind of struggled as of late. You know, Alex Colomay's had a few uh, rough appearances here in the last couple weeks. Chad Cool has, you know, pardon the pun, but he's really cooled off in the last month or so. Jose Iglesias is still playing okay, but some errors here and there, um, you know, are obviously not what uh, playoff contenders are looking for. Um you know, Randall Gritchick hasn't had that great a season in general. So it is it is sort of weird um, when you re-examine the Rockies' trade pieces and what they could potentially potentially get for them and then how these players are performing right before the deadline. So I would just say, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, there's going to be, what, like 24 hours left in the trade deadline? Like, I wouldn't expect all that much out of this year's deadline. I, I think maybe some minor league swaps or something like that. But beyond that, I, I think it would be pretty quiet for uh, Colorado fans. Which is a shame. Well, I think, so our two biggest, like, quote-unquote tradable assets are Daniel Bard and CJ Crone. I don't think either of them are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Bard has been rumored to be in the running for an extension, and I also think it's possible that the Rockies extend CJ Crone because they really like what they have in him. And, you know, if that's going to happen, fine. Um, the big pieces that I think the Rockies would need to focus on on trading then are all the guys on one-year deals, uh, yep. which would be, and I wrote about this on my Thursday Rock Pile, is Jose Iglesias, uh, Alex Colomay, Chad Cool, and Jose Arena, and maybe Randall Gritchick, who's on a two-year deal right now, just to clear up roster space and maybe capitalize on those short-term investments. And... I think there's definitely a possibility that some of those guys are going to get moved, but they're not going to be, you know, the big blockbuster trades or the highly coveted guys. I think you're going to get, you know, maybe a handful of prospects for a lot of them, but that's, that's better than, than nothing for them. I think, um, because like I've said, these guys on these one year deals are not necessarily the future of the organization, but, um, all I can, all we can really do is wait and see. And my big one, my biggest one, is that probably our most valuable one-year deal guy is going to be Jose Iglesias, yep. where he is hitting so well on the road that I think a contending team is going to be interested in his services at least as an offensive upgrade. And his defense, you know, has definitely cleaned up over the last month um, compared to at the beginning of the season. And I think the the Rockies would need to seriously listen to offers on him at the at the very least. I mm-hmm. would like to see the Rockies trade Iglesias. And if we part ways with you know any of those other players that I mentioned, then that's then that's icing on the cake. And I think it would still be frustrating for the Rockies to not sell a lot of those assets, but at the end of the day, what can you do? And all I can do is be here and hope that you know, Bill Schmidt is going to do what I think he needs to do in in trading those four or five mm-hmm. guys. And I think some that mm-hmm. kind of ties in to that kind of adverse nature of wanting to trade is kind of their perceived returns. And you know that we kind of saw that's why they didn't trade Trevor Story last season because they didn't feel like any offers that they had, you know, were were good enough. You know, the perceived value. And I think that's they're kind of adverse to trading because you kind of look at some of the bigger trades they've made in their history and look how things panned out. You know, the Ubaldo Jimenez trade, how'd that one turn out for us? Not very good. <laughs> like, there, yeah. there's been very few, it seems, trades we've made in our, our history that have really panned out. You know, DJ LeMahieu, he panned out pretty good, and he wasn't even the focal point of that trade. And Carlos yeah. Gonzalez turned out pretty good. But then outside of that, you know, we've got Herman Marquez, who's kind of been up and down, but overall has been really good. But outside of that, everything else has kind of been, eh. Like, can you name the big players 
that came back from trading away Larry Walker and the impact they had on the Rockies. Nothing comes to mind. <laughs> but even then, though, the Larry Walker trade, like that was in, that was one of those ones where it's like, oh, the Rockies trade all of their stars away. That was, and and it stank that Larry didn't finish his career here, but that was end of career mm-hmm. Larry Walker in his mid to late thirties, where it was time for the Rockies to be looking at younger talent. Both the front office said that, and Larry said that, and maybe we give Larry a chance to go mm-hmm. get a ring somewhere. So it's like, yeah, the the return on that you don't really think about anymore. And it, it wasn't great at the time, but it was one of those things where I honestly think it sort of needed to be done. And and I, I of course, I hated it at the time, and I, I don't like that we, we did it, but, you know, sometimes you have to do that. And outside of, you know, since that Larry Walker trade, we really haven't had a lot of, oh, the Rockies trade away their superstars. Uh, the biggest one was the biggest ones are you know Matt Holiday, who the the Rockies were unsure that they were going to be able to, um, you know afford a a long term deal with, and they were they were still trending very young at the time, mm-hmm. and then Tulo, who as as bad as the fallout was from that deal, is that Tulo had a gigantic contract and was struggling with injuries causing him to not really live up to that contract. And like so in the last 20 years those are the the guys who we have been, you know, trading at the deadline or or trading in the off season and you know the the most recent one of Nolan Arenado and and Nolan was not happy here regardless of if we wanted to keep him or not, he was probably in the wind. And so the Rockies traded him and got, you know, even if you don't think it was a good return, the best return that they felt like they were going to get. And so if it's in 20 years, four dudes who you would view as trading away your superstars, I don't think that is as big an issue as it is made out to be with this team. Yeah. Fun times, man. Good times some of all these Rockies trades uh, that didn't work out for us. You guys want to go all, to our... all you can do is wait and see. And trades are trades are another one of those ones where if you are not trading for major league talent, which the Rockies would likely not be doing here if we were to part with any of these guys, you're trading for prospects. It's like the draft. It's a long game. You never know exactly how it's going to turn out when you're trading for prospects. Maybe they're going to be a killer and maybe they're not yeah and so all we can do for this trade deadline is you know sit and wait see what the rockies do see what the rockies don't do see what the rockies get in return if they do something and then even if they do do something and get something in return we sit and wait and see how those players turn out so you know that's that's baseball it's a it's a game of waiting sometimes yes and all you can really do is you know hope Hope and see what happens. Hope and see yeah. what happens. Because I like, you know, like we mentioned before, the goal is to win as many games as possible. But you have to have the, you know, be willing to take the steps to get there. And you know, that's something that the Rockies have struggled with, is taking the necessary steps of reaching that end goal of winning the World Series. Or yes, win as many games as possible. Okay, but to what end? Is it to, you yep. know win enough games so you can get the number one overall pick in the draft? Or is it to win enough games to reach the playoffs, to be sellers at the deadline, be buyers at the deadline, make the playoffs, win the division, get to the World Series? Building on steps. The trade deadline is that goal of, okay, we need to win X amount of games. We need to be in this position. So by this time, where we can see where we're at. And if we're not where we need to be, well, then we'll just have to kind of reset and prep for the next season. And that's where your youngsters come in. You sell off those valuable assets and let the youngsters start coming out, play some games, and see where you're at for the next season. So it's all a, it's all a yeah. crapshoot. The last thing I'll say on this, and then we'll move on to to something a little bit more fun, is <laughs> I see a lot in um, on social media 
when talking about Rocky trades or, oh, what are we going to do, get a single-A prospect? It's like, there's nothing wrong with getting a single-A prospect if you look at that prospect and think that they have some promise for your organization later down the line. Uh, I think trading is one of those things where it's always going to be a little bit of a gamble. It's, it's just like the draft in that regard. And if you get, you know, a single-A prospect that you really think is going to be a difference maker down the line for your organization, then you go for that. I mean, we got lots of guys who, in the Nolan Arenado trade, who went to, started in, in low-A or high-A that year and are are really appealing. Um, like uh, Tony Losey, who's, who's now all the way up in Hartford after starting, you know, last season in low-A Fresno and, and guys like that. So... Don't don't not get in a single A prospect if you can get a single A prospect that you think is going to be important to the organization down the line, and be willing to like move <laughs> move some of those guys along so they can help out the big league club because you can't have hold on to your big league roster guys, all your established veterans, and expect your minor league guys who are knocking on the door to participate if there's no. There's only nine positions on the field. There's only ten spots in the batting. Or there's only, no, nine spots on the field, nine spots in the lineup. Got to find a way. And the trades help with that. Yeah, like, if you trade a major league player for a single-A prospect, but trading that major league player makes it so that you can call up somebody from AAA to get a shot, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all. Like, um, if... If it's not Ezekiel Tovar who gets major league reps this year, I'd like to see Coco Montez, hmm. who was just killing it in AAA Albuquerque this year, get get some reps late in the season. And that would be facilitated by, you know, trading Jose Iglesias for nuts to it, a yeah. single A prospect. So there's definitely things you can do. It's all the trade deadline, you know, when you're not making a run towards the playoffs, you're not trading for Max Scherzer like the Dodgers did last year. No, when you're not making those big trades, you're trading, you know, looking forward of, okay, we got to make space for guys next year. Exactly. You're never, if you're not a contender, you are not making trades for immediate mm-hmm. impact players. Like, if you have to take on a contract to, like, finish out the season, that's fine. But if that opens up, you know, that guy becomes a free agent that's on an expiring contract, and you can move on to something else after he leaves you do what you can but we'll see what happens exactly at the end of the day it also really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things but it's still fun to watch (laughs) (laughs) not when we have a billion marvel projects coming out that's what really matters that's right that's right Uh, moving on here really quick uh i just want to get your take super super quick any predictions for the trade deadline? Any big moves? Shoyo Otani's been rumored. Juan None. Soto's been rumored. Do either of them get dealt? None. I don't think Otani gets moved, and I don't think Soto mm-hmm. gets moved. I think the asking price is too high. I, don't, I think there will definitely be trades. There will definitely be teams that get better. There will definitely be teams that get worse. Cubs will probably move Contreras and Hap. You know, you can count on things like that happening. Maybe, um, you know, Adam Frazier gets moved off of the uh, Pirates, you know, things like that, absolutely. But as far as those two big names, of Otani and Juan Soto, no way. They ain't going nowhere. Adam Frazier hasn't played for the Pirates in over a year, my dude. Oh, yeah, huh? Who's the uh, – <laughs> uh, no, don't they have that, like, uh, outfielder um, that's Brian fired Reynolds. for the Pirates right now? You're thinking, of, you're thinking of Brian Reynolds. I am thinking who, of Brian Reynolds. Thank you. He's, Brian he's Reynolds one of those ones where, like, along with Whit Merrifield and Trey Mancini – of it's been like every year it's been like is this when such and such team finally trades such and such player yes i meant brian reynolds that's that's what i was that's what i'm talking about <laughs> strike that from the record editor there you go get that <laughs> no, right i'm from leaving there. that in <laughs> um i think one of either otani or soto is going to get traded i don't think it's going to be both yeah that's kind hmm. of thing okay. i think soto would be the more likely mostly because he just still has that control but yeah you'd have to sell the farm for him uh wilson mm. Contreras, where does he go from the cubs Matt's. Ooh, that, that's a good pick that's a pretty good pick that's actually i agree i'm not yeah that's a pretty good one 
do the Rockies send yeah. Daniel Bard to the Yankees for Joey Gallo? <laughs> no. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. Barden, Barden Crone are here to stay, I think. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear by the end of the season that Bard's getting like a two-year extension and maybe a one- or two-year extension for CJ if they do extend him because uh, CJ's under contract for next year. Bard is a free agent. But uh, they're, they're staying. I, I don't think you can convince me otherwise. But who knows? You'll never, yeah. you, you never know. We'll know. You never know. On Tuesday. <laughs> so we will know by Tuesday <laughs> what happens with trade stuff. But... Fair. Get yeah. get back to me in a couple days. You're all about That's it right. next time. Uh, so to close out the show here really quick, we're running low on time, but July Players of the Month. Fun stuff. It's always a fun one to look at as we close out here the month of July. Uh, just so everyone's aware, last month in June, we had our first unanimous, all three of us picked the same guys. Daniel Bard is our pitcher of the month. Charlie Blackman was our player. And then MVP of the month was Charlie Blackman. So now we move on to the month of July, starting with Mac. Who is your pitcher and player and MVP of the month? Yep. So I have got uh, my, you know, definitely got some options here. I think Elias Diaz had a very, very nice month. We just talked about that. You know, 302, knocked in 10 RBIs. You know, he's one of the, one of the leaders uh, in RBI in the month. And we're just talking about his... You know, resurgence in the last few weeks has been fantastic. But for me, the position player of the month has got to be Chris Bryant. This is the Chris Bryant we've been waiting for all season. He finally came back fully healthy. His back is all healed up. And all he's done is slash uh, 347, 417, 653. He's got, you know, 10 runs batted in. He's finally got those first few home runs, five of them, finally. Um, I think that, you know, this is the KB that we wanted to see all year long. He lengthens the lineup. He makes the Rockies better. Uh, I'm just excited to have him on the team, and he is my position player of the month. And then for my pitcher of the month, I'm actually going to stick with Daniel Bard. He didn't pitch as well as uh, the last month. Uh, he threw to an 0.73 earned run average last month, which is ridiculous. But it's not exactly like he struggled in July. All he did was pitch to a 1.13 earned run average. Less innings, 12 and a third in June versus only eight in July, and the one run given up but you know he has just been ice recently he has been so cold out of the bullpen uh nobody can touch him his fastball looks great his slider looks great maybe want to cut down on the walks a hair right still got six walks in those eight innings pitch but in general he is easily the best reliever in the rockies uh bullpen right now he's probably with the best rockies pitcher on their staff right now in general so he is my pitch of the month without question and my MVP, just for all the reasons I mentioned, is Chris Bryant. Uh, like I said, he is the you know big contract signing, the biggest signing they've made in years. And I think he's living up to it right now, fully healthy and uh, fully committed to the team. He looks fantastic. So that's my MVP. Nice. Yeah. Evan. For position player, I am also going to go with Mr. Crazy Breezy. Crazy Breezy. Crazy Breezy. Uh, KB played 19 games in July and, you know, despite dealing with the plantar fascia is still hitting pretty well. Had a nice double last night. Mm -hmm. Um, that slash line, uh, like you said, is really good. OPS of 1.070. He's been, he's been really good and, uh, not striking out a lot. He has eight walks to nine strikeouts. Those five home runs. Uh, are are really big. Most home runs on the team tied with C.J. Crone for the month of July. And, yeah, like, you you pretty much said everything that I could say about it, Mac, is that this is the Chris Bryant the Rockies needed. And now that he's here and playing regularly, this is the, the Chris Bryant that the Rockies are getting. And I am, I am all mm -hmm. here for it. Yep. And then my pitcher of the month is Brian Servan with a zero ERA. Um... <laughs> Fair, honestly, yeah, reasonable pick, reasonable pick. Uh, so I am. I was tempted to say Bard, but I'm actually going to give it to Lucas Gilbreth. Okay. Out of the bullpen, Lucas Gilbreth has been really, really rock solid for the Rockies. Uh, he had kind of a rough April and beginning of the season. 
And then since then, has really turned it around. And he, he had kind of a tough outing the other night. But overall, for the month of July, he has only given up four earned runs. And he's gone long stretches where he hasn't given up any. So he came into the month um, after having not given up an earned run for the entire month of June. And then kept that streak going until halfway through July, where he gave up just, you know, one earned run against the San Diego Padres on July 11th. His ERA is uh, down to 371. He started the month at 429. He's got, um, he's just got a really solid body of work here where, so he's made 36 total appearances here in, in 2022. And during the month of July, he has the most appearances of any bullpen pitcher with 13 Hmm. and uh, pitch 13 innings has been, been just really, really solid. Lots of strikeouts uh, at 17, uh, a decent number of walks at seven, but you know, he's keeping that whip at around league average of about 1.3. His strikeouts per nine is 11.8 and he's averaging about, you know, two and a half strikeouts per walk, which is, which is not bad at all, but really Lucas Gilbreth has, you know, proven himself to be a young anchor on this bullpen where you can reliably turn to him and go, I know I can trust this guy with an inning or so of work and then put him in the game and have him pitch really, really well. And, and that's what you want to see, especially in a guy that young who had a difficult start to be to the beginning of the year and he had a difficult start to the beginning of the year last year and then really turned it on and was was fabulous for most of the rest of the season and we're, we're seeing the same from him this year and I love Lucas Gilbreth I am sort of an unabashed homer when it comes to Gilly hmm. who is you know from he's from here in Colorado but he really is you know earning it it's not just oh he's he's the local kid so we're going to give him playing time it's Lucas Gilbreth is earning the trust that he is being given with a really solid body of work and an ERA of just 277 in the, um, excuse me, in the month of July where he is the only bullpen pitcher, uh, with 10 or more appearances to have an ERA that low is I think really big for him. And I am always looking forward to, to seeing him pitch when he comes into the game because I know that nine times out of ten, he's got it on lockdown. And that tenth time is when he gets blown out. <laughs> uh, that happens for so many of, of really any pitcher, though. Yeah. Like, no pitcher is going to be perfect every single time and everybody's going to have a rough outing. And the fact that Gilly's worst outing of the season was two earned runs that uh not the not the not the you know, the month of July was two earned runs. Mm. That's that's such a minor thing to me, especially when it's not good enough. <laughs> what was that? No, it's not good enough. Well, think about some of the other other bullpen pitchers we've had, especially uh, recently in some of these blowouts where it's just yeah. not working out. And if the worst that's going to happen to Gilly is he has one bad outing in a month where he gives up two earned runs, I'm not going to sweat that at all. That's reasonable. No, every pitcher has to give up no runs on every outing. <laughs> That's the only way. It's a robot. <laughs> Good luck with that. And then uh, my happen. MVP for the month, I'm going to go with Chris Bryant. Beautiful. See? All right, Skyler. So uh, we got our position players the same, but our pitchers differ. What do you got on this? Uh, I will also go with Chris Bryant. Yeah! Player of the month. Because he's finally showed up, and I would like more power from him but at least we got some home runs from him. Mm-hmm. And now he's even when he's been healthy and on the field, he's just put together good at bats, yes. puts the ball in play. No, I'll take base knocks and doubles. I just want some more home runs because they're <laughs> just so tasty. <laughs> and does he have a Coors Field home run yet this season? I don't believe he, he has not. yet. Yeah. What's up with that? What's like, I want some Coors Field dingers. Dang it. Well, that was like uh, that was like Brendan Rodgers last year, where yeah. all, almost all of his home runs came on the road. And uh, Rodgers joked of like, "I wish I was hitting home runs at Coors Field." <laughs> yeah, well, what the heck's going on with that? But yeah, Chris Bryant, he's finally shown up the way we would hope he would, and hopefully he just keeps getting progressively better and starts hitting some more dingers, because I need at least ten out of him this season. <laughs> at okay. least ten, double Reasonable. digits, double digits home runs. 
And then for my pitcher of the month, we already talked about him a lot in the first half. Uh, Armand Marquez. Oh, okay. Just a good, solid. He's been a solid starter this season, this month. And it's just good to see him kind of returning back to form. Because when Marquez is on, our team has a lot better chance of winning a game and setting things up for guys like Lucas Gilbreth and Daniel Bard to get some action. So, Armand Marquez, my Dig pitcher it. of the month. And then MVP? Brian, MVP. Okay. All right, so unanimous the, on position player and MVP, but three different pitchers. I can dig it. Interesting. And, you know, uh, Marquez was probably my, my second choice for, for pitcher yeah. of the month. If I hadn't gone with Gilly, I was going to go with Marquez. Yeah, he really mm-hmm. has made a really nice turnaround, hasn't he? He if really has. Urania, if Urania hadn't gotten blown up yeah. in his yeah. last That's start true. of the month, it could have been him. <laughs> yeah, his, his last two starts, really. Um that start against Milwaukee was also not great. Not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly didn't help that the um, the bullpen allowed inherited runs when Irania left the game. But not with those last two starts, I just I couldn't. I get it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marquez put together four pretty solid starts. But that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Those are our July players of the month. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, each and every week as you listen to us rant and rave and share our thoughts on Rockies baseball. Uh, Evan, where can the people find you in the Lang dynasty? Uh, so you can find me complaining on Twitter at Evan underscore Lang 27. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Sometimes I don't complain, but most of the time I complain. Um, I've been following still a lot of minor league baseball stuff especially the fresno grizzlies who are so much fun to watch right now Mm. um but yeah find me on there find me doing uh thursday rock piles on purplerow.com and generally the sunday game coverage so i'll switch around where i am needed and you can always hit us up on the official affected by altitude twitter account which is at altitude effect how about you max secret wars Yeah, man, hit me up. That's funny. Hit me up on Twitter at Cormac Battle Pro, which is at C O R M A C Battle Pro. I got to figure out how to change that handle. I don't wrestle that much anymore. I got to really see if I can switch that over. But yeah, hit me up there. Let's talk about wrestling. Let's talk about comic books and the new incredible Black Panther two trailer and everything else related to Rockies baseball. And find how about you, Sky Guy? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, talking Rockies baseball or my Northern Colorado Owls That's stuff right. if I ever talk about them. Skyler's uh, the voice of the Colorado Owls. Uh, over the PA, yes. <laughs> it counts. And fill-in broadcaster as needed. That's right. Good stuff. But yeah, you can always find me there and then my Sunday Rock Piles. And then all of our other news articles and Rock Piles over at PurpleRow.com. You can always find us there as well as on Twitter at PurpleRow. Tons of great content from all of our homies here at purple row but that's going to do it here for this one we'll see you next time somebody hit him with it i don't care who uh 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 evan go uh farewell farewell (laughs) nice (laughs) bye